0: Well, my wife just said it. Stop running away from God and start running to God. Let's pray. All right, Lord. Okay, let's open up our Bibles to Mark chapter one. We're going to be in that today. Again, QR code if you want to open up the text for today. But man, this day is amazing, isn't it? We've been leading up to this point, and I'm so glad you're here. Many of you I know very well. Uh, Others of you I'm just getting to know, and some I'm going to get to know For the first time today, but we hope that you would feel welcomed here at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes, and that, uh, you know, our vision for this church is that we would know Jesus and be known, known by God, but also known by one another. So we want to create a community where, uh, where we know your name, where we know your family, where we're connected to one another. And so we're blessed that you're here, but as I said, God has had this day planned, and he knew that all of our stories would converge here in this moment. I know that sounds kind of like really big, but it's true. You know, all of us have a story to tell. All of us have a testimony and a life that we've lived. And in this moment, this hour that we're gathered together, it's converging. God's brought us together here uh, in this time. You know, we all have stories. For instance, my mom is here today. And uh, always good to have the support of your mother, right? So good. You know, my mom was born and raised here in Palos Verdes, as well as my dad. And uh, I was born and lived the first 12 years of my life here in, in uh, the South Bay before moving to Santa Barbara. And, uh, and then when I was 17 years old, I walked into Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, and my life was forever transformed because I met Jesus. And we want to bring another church here to palace Verdes because we want to bring Jesus to this community. And so my story, my testimony is that at 17, I got saved. I went to UCSB for college. And then after college, I met my beautiful wife. And then I started working on staff as a pastor at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. Uh, my pastor here, Tommy Snyder is in the house. I love that man. He planted a church over 20 years ago and has been a shining example of what it looks like to step out in faith, and I'm so thankful for that, along with Pastor David Yuzik, who was my pastor for as well before Tommy, and, and just so thankful for the church family that I have in Santa Barbara. Many of you guys are here with us today, and I thank you for coming down and joining us. Then there's my wife. I mean, come on. Isn't she amazing? I definitely married up. And she has been in this journey. You know, we prayed and prayed and prayed some more about what God would do with our lives next. And in January, we decided that we were going to move to Palos Verdes to plant a church. And then March came, and you all know what happened in March, right? Pandemic happened. And we're like, okay, God, what are you doing? Where are we going? Are we supposed to still uproot and move our lives in the middle of a pandemic and we sense that God wanted us to keep moving forward in faith and so in May we moved our family here to Palos Verdes because we believe that God wants to do a work here on this peninsula and we want to be used by him to do it and then over these last four months we've met the most incredible people and you know who you are okay we are so thankful for your support, for your new friendship that we have formed. And then there is Rob and Ben Dikai and Ben, the leaders of Life on the Hill Church. These guys have been the most amazing, humble, giving, sacrificial, giving leaders that I've met. And they've decided with a huge decision that they wanted to merge with us and become part of this journey. And it's kind of like, I I use an analogy, it's like we got on the on-ramp of the freeway, kind of going slow, and then we cut across four lanes, and now we're flying in the carpool lane. And so we're so thankful, and Life on the Hill Church, those of you who have gathered here as a community of faith over the years, I'm so looking forward to shepherding you into the next season that God has for us as a church, and so Um, Then there's still more. There's more of you guys here who are gathering with us for the first time today, and I just want to say welcome to the story. Welcome to the story that God has for us. We're blessed. We've been praying for you from the very beginning, and we desire that you would be known and loved in this place. So what I've done just now is I've shared a brief testimony of who I am in our story, And what I'm doing is I'm being a witness to the fact that God has been faithful and that God has been good to us. And I know that all of you have a story. All of you have testimonies. And I pray and I hope that God is in the midst of your testimony and that you too can be a witness to the fact that God is good. That no matter the circumstances, God is faithful. And so what we're going to be doing is we open up our Bibles today to the Gospel of Mark a book of the Bible that we're gonna go through together as a church for about a year. This book begins with testimonies. It begins with several witnesses testifying to the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he left heaven and came to earth nearly 2000 years ago and that that perfect life culminated in a sacrificial death on a cross And three days later, there was undeniable proof that he is God because he rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. And we're here to look at the life of Jesus. As we go through the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see that he is a powerful servant, that he is a humble leader, that he had authority that came with him from heaven. We'll look at his miracles, we'll look at his teachings, we'll look at his kindness and his grace. And so every time we gather together, we'll look at Jesus in the gospel of Mark. So have a Bible when you come to this church. You know, the QR code, we'll have the text every week. But if you don't have a Bible, here's what I wanna say. We have Bibles that we'd love to give to you today. Take one home with you and bring it back every single week because in this church, we are gonna look to God's word for instruction about how we're to live our lives and how to live for Jesus. We're going to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through books of the Bible, because we believe that it's God's word that will tell us everything that we need to know about God and everything that we need to know about ourselves. And so we're going to begin now, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 1. That's exciting. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray you would anoint these words, your words, and God, that they would come into our hearts and show us how beautiful and how loving you are. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here in verse 1, we have the first witness, who is John Mark, the man who wrote this book. Now, John Mark wasn't one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, but he followed close behind. And his mother, Mary, was also a follower of Jesus, and she would open up her homes so that Jesus could come over with the disciples, and she'd make a huge spread, and everyone would eat, and they'd just sit at Jesus' feet to learn. And so, Mark got to be around Jesus and around the disciples, and he ended up becoming a close friend to Peter, one of the apostles. And it's likely that through Peter, Mark was able to receive the first hand accounts of what happened in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so Mark is being the first witness of Jesus. And what he's saying here in verse 1 is that he's recording in this book, Gospel. And this word gospel is the Greek word which simply means good news. He's just about to tell us some good news, and this is the beginning of that good news. And this good news is about Jesus, that there's this timeline of events that took place in history when, as I said, Jesus left heaven because he is God and came to earth, and he had a ministry here. And it's good. It's news to us that we must hear. And so right out the gate, the claim has been made. Mark is saying that Jesus is the son of God. That Jesus is God, as we'll see. See, here at this church, what we want to do is we want to know the real Jesus. You'll hear me say that often. The real Jesus, as declared to us in the scriptures. And I also want to know the real you. I don't want you to come to this church hiding who you are. So bring every single week that you come here, bring the real you to the real Jesus In every single time you do that, God will meet you here, amen? Amen. And so then verse two, we look at another witness. The first was Mark, now in verse two it says, that is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So Mark is showing us that the good news of Jesus is not just a matter of his own opinion, but that it is testified by even Isaiah, who lived 700 years prior to Jesus even coming. And so this is an inspired prediction from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30, where The prophet to Israel, Isaiah, said that there would be two people who would come to earth, that there would be a messenger, a forerunner, that would prepare the way for the one who would be the Lord. And so these two people are John the Baptist and Jesus. And so John came, which Leah was talking about, John, and his ministry was mainly defined by repentance from sin and baptism. Because what he was doing was he was carving out a pathway for Jesus to enter. You know, he was making his path straight. Because in these ancient cities, what would happen is that a king would come to visit your city. And when the king was coming to visit, you wanted to make his journey into your city as easy as it possibly can be. And so what they would do is they would fill in any potholes in the road. They meticulously care for the roads, filling in the potholes, bringing down the speed bumps, because nobody wants the king coming into their city like on a section like Portuguese Bend, right? (laughs) Just like, whoa, what's going on? It has to be straight. It has to be flat for the king to come in. So what John was doing was he was bringing the mountains low and filling the valleys high so that Jesus could come. And the way he did that was that he preached that the kingdom of God was at hand. And the way to prepare for it was to be repentant and to be baptized. So look at verse 4 through 6. This is John's testimony about Jesus. It says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Any kids have that for breakfast? No? How many kids have eaten a grasshopper before? No? Okay, just me? Okay. Well, look, you know, John wasn't following the trends of his time. You know, it wasn't like John was on some plant based, insect based diet where he was wearing the latest fashion, which was scratchy camel hair. John was different. He was making a statement, that's for sure. But it wasn't one of food and fashion. It was a statement showing that he himself was a prophet and a witness to the kingdom of God. So what John was doing was he was giving up his normal luxuries and comforts because he was making a statement so that the people would take notice. Because here's the thing, when John came into Israel preaching this message, there had been silence from prophets in Israel for 300 years. From Malachi to John, 300 years passed, and no one was hearing the promises of God. No one was hearing the word of God being declared. No one was being called out for their godless living and for their idolatry. But when John came and, and he was wearing his camel's hair, dipping bugs in honey, people took notice to him. And they listened to what he was saying and they were being cut to the heart. They were realizing that they needed to repent from sin and that they needed to be baptized. And this happened like by the masses. People were coming out to John in the Jordan. And this is what John did, verse 4. It says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So baptism is this act of submersion into water. And the reason for this, prior to Jesus, it was like a washing. But once Jesus came, and now that we're this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, what baptism does is as you get submerged into the water, you have died with Jesus. Your life is no longer your own. And then when you come out of the water, you are also raised in new life with Jesus. That is what baptism shows. See, my son understands what baptism is. Caleb. Hi, Caleb. He's eating suckers over there. What he does is he takes his French fries, and he says, look, Dad, I'm baptizing my French fries. And he fully submerges it into the ketchup, all the way down into his fingers, and he he goes for it, right? And then my daughter, Kennedy. Hi, Kennedy. She's six, almost seven. She understands what baptism is. Her understanding is a little more developed. And she said that she wants to be the first person of Calvary Chapel, Verde is to get baptized. Yeah. So that's going to be a reality. So none of you guys can get baptized before my daughter. Just saying. But if you'd like to be baptized, we would love to walk you through that and what it looks like because this is true. That repentance and baptism are marks of a new beginning with God. And maybe you're here today and you just sense that you need a fresh start in life. You need a new beginning with God. And repentance and baptism would certainly be a pathway for the King to come into your life. And so if that's you today, I'd love to lead you in that decision. Now, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And this is all that repentance means It means that you were running away from God and then you start running toward God. That you were going toward your sin and you know that your sin is destroying you and those around you. And so you make a decision of your mind and will and you say, I'm going to turn away from this sin and I'm going to turn back toward God and I'm going to start walking with God in my life. And God's word declares that when you repent, God forgives you. Every time. So that is what was happening. People were coming in droves to experience this. They were coming out to the river to be baptized. And Mark records the words of John that he would declare as people were coming by the masses to hear the message. This is what he would say to them, verses 7 and 8. It says, he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John had a deep humility. And what he does is he comes and he says, I must decrease. I can't even touch the guy's sandals because Jesus must increase. I must get out of the way so that Jesus can be elevated. And let me tell you, that is my heart. I just want to preach Jesus, get out of the way and let you see him. And God's word will do that. And so John was baptizing them. And, and it also says that when the Holy Spirit would come, that he would bat, be baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. So I love, I love that this is part of our first Sunday. See, it says there, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And we wouldn't be where we are right now as a church plant gathering in this way that we are here without the Holy Spirit's power. And many of you guys have kind of heard the story of how we've been joined together with Life on the Hill, but we can testify to you to the fact that the Holy Spirit is the power in the church, that it's the Holy Spirit that when he comes upon you and gives you power to be a witness for him, Whole cities are transformed. When the church of Jesus Christ is renewed by the Holy Spirit, it has this effect that people's lives get transformed all around you. And that is what Jesus does when he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. So here in this church, you're going to hear us preach about repentance. You'll hear us call sin, sin. And, and, And you'll be called out by the word of God to confess your sins so that you could receive forgiveness and refreshment from Jesus. In this church, you're going to hear about baptism with water. I just got these like mental pictures of going down to the beach and just dunking a bunch of people as they're turning their lives to Jesus. And you're also going to hear us talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, because we believe that the Holy Spirit is the power that is going to move the church forward in the way that it needs to move. So we're going to talk about the Spirit in this church. And so that's our testimony so far. And this is what John said. He said, there's one who's greater than me who's coming, and that was Jesus. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, it's better that I go to heaven so that the Holy Spirit can come. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will do even greater things than I did because I go to my Father and I send the Holy Spirit. So do you understand what this means then that the church gets to walk in this triple greatness? That is the power that we get to walk in as the spirit comes upon us. And so far we've seen these witnesses, right? You've got Mark in his witness of Jesus. You have Isaiah in his testimony of Jesus. You have John the Baptist in his testimony. And now we're going to see Jesus come on the scene. Look at verse 9 and 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. You know, in those days, as people were coming out into the wilderness when John was baptizing them with water, there was a man who lived in a not-so-great part of town called Nazareth of Galilee. And his mom conceived when she hadn't even known a man intimately. The Holy Spirit put this child into her womb, and he was born in a time of political and cultural turmoil. And a man named Joseph would raise this child as if he was his own son, yet knowing there was something special about him, that he was the son of God. But uh, Joseph would teach his son this trade. And for about 30 years, Jesus of Nazareth lived in obscurity until the appropriate time came after he had grown in favor with both God and man and he comes out into the wilderness where his cousin John was and when John saw him, there was like this revelation that happened and he called to the crowds and he says, see that man right there? He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus goes down into the river and says to John, John, I want you to baptize me. John's like, no, dude, you got to baptize me. What are you talking about? But Jesus had John baptized him because Jesus wanted to identify with us in our humanity. And so Jesus goes into the river and he gets lowered into the water. And then as he's coming out, this miraculous moment takes place where there was a visible and audible experience as the heavens were just torn open. And something like a dove descended upon Jesus and rested and remained upon him. And then you heard this voice, and the voice from heaven was the Father speaking. And he said, this is my beloved Son with you. I am well pleased. And Jesus was baptized. And you have there another testimony, the testimony of the Father. And then even another, the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And then, isn't that just amazing? Because in this moment, you see God in his fullness. God is one God, and yet he consists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We could talk about that, but we're not going to today. But verses 12 through 13 says, The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with wild animals, and the angels ministered to him. I find it fascinating that the first thing that Jesus did when he started his public ministry is that he went into quarantine. (laughs) Did you know that the word quarantine comes from the Latin word 40 and many scholars believe that it's because of Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days before his ministry began. Think of what happened those 40 days. And then what took place as Jesus came out of quarantine and the Spirit of God begin to move through Jesus among the people. And think about what God's going to do with us as we come out of quarantine, as people are longing and desiring for real connection and for a real relationship. And can I just tell you today, there's nothing more real than Jesus. There's no relationship that is more real than what you can have with the Son of God who died on a cross for your sins and rose from the dead. We're coming out of quarantine, man, and we're gonna, we need Jesus. And so Jesus has been testified about over and over again. Even the devil himself, Satan, testify to the fact that jesus is the son of god and he wants to tempt you to not look to jesus he wants to distract you from the testimonies and the witnesses that abound in this place about who jesus is but this is all it guys this is the beginning of the good news of jesus christ the son of god and there is an abundance of testimony you have mark one isaiah two John, three. God the Father, four. God the Holy Spirit, five. And even the devil, six. And I'll add mine as a seventh. And you want to throw in an eight for the witness that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. As I close here and we continue in a couple songs of worship. I'm going to come back to this question is, what is your testimony? What's your story? And as I said, all of our stories are converging here in this moment, and you've heard numerous testimonies. You know the Bible says that by the testimony of two or three witnesses that a thing is true. Two of our pastors are lawyers, which will tell you that two or three, if you have eight testimonies, nine, 10, 11, 12 testimonies in a court of law, a thing is proven. So it's proof, guys. Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and He loves you, and He died on a cross for you, and He rose from the dead for you, and you can put your trust in Him today. Amen? Does anybody want to do that today? I'd love to lead you in a prayer to receive Christ, for Him to be your God. And if that's you, if you just sense, man, this, there's something different here. There's something different about this Jesus that's been testified about today. And if that's you, just raise your hand right over the top of your head and I'll be able to hopefully see you and lead you in a prayer to receive Christ today as your Lord. Is there anybody here who would like to do that? Praise the Lord. Wonderful. I'm gonna ask one more question. For some of you guys, your story... You know Jesus. You've given your life to him, but in this last season, you've been far from him. You wouldn't say that you are near to the Lord. You're having even maybe a hard time trusting in his goodness and his faithfulness. But he is good and he is faithful and he loves you. And if you, listen, the Bible says that if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. It's a promise there's anybody else here today you just raise your hand right over your head and you want to commit your life again to jesus you just want to rededicate and say jesus i I, i've come out of quarantine and i want to follow you like i've never followed you before you can raise your hand and i'll pray for you i see you over there sir i see you back there i see you there praise god i see you over there well let's pray together let's ask that god would make us bold witnesses for jesus amen Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are God and you are king. For those who raise their hand, Lord, I pray whatever bumps in their road there there have been, God, that that would just be leveled flat in Jesus' name. Whatever valley in their life would be filled up, Lord, with your goodness and your faithfulness, and they just have a smooth path for Jesus, you to come in and refresh them and renew them with your grace, with your love and empower them with your Holy Spirit. So God, I thank you for this gathering today. You are good, that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.